All right, and we're live. Welcome, everyone, for the first episode of the Sunday Night Drive Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Noah today. Noah, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Jake. Nice to be here. We've got a lot of cool things to talk about today, Noah. First of all, Ubuntu 1904 Disco Dingo. You've been using that for a couple days now. Kind of yeah. testing it's, that. Uh, it's pretty great, actually. Um, I've been using it quite a bit, and I can't wait to, uh, to talk about it. Uh, we got Windows 10 1903. Uh, I've been using the build 18343, you know, some different new things that we're going to talk about with that. Uh, we've got uh, some more issues with Facebook, uh, of course, so. <laughs> as always. And uh, we've got a bit of news about Microsoft as well. Um, we've got a lot of cool other things coming today, some different tech deals, and uh, a couple other things we're going to talk about. So uh, let's kind of get right into it. All right, so our first segment here is going to be our tech deals of the week. So, uh, no, you found a cool uh, found a cool deal this week. Yeah, it's a great laptop. It's uh, quite the mouthful. It's called the MSI GV63 8SE-014. It's quite the name for a laptop, but it's a 15.6-inch performance gaming laptop. It comes with a NVIDIA RTX 2060, 16 gigs of RAM, Intel i7, 8750H, 6-core processor, a 256 gig NVMe SSD and a terabyte hard drive, and all of that for just 1300 bucks. It's uh, it's it's quite the deal. It has a 120 hertz monitor, and it is highly recommended. I actually just bought one myself. What uh, what does that actually come in at price wise? Uh, so whenever you uh, total everything and you get the warranty, it's right around 1500 bucks. That's actually that's actually a pretty good deal, honestly. I'm for. The brand for a brand new uh, GTX 2060 and 16 gigs of RAM. That's that's really nice. And that 120 hertz panel is actually that's actually pretty cool for a laptop as well. Yeah, so it comes in at a great deal. Um, it'll last for at least a couple of years from now, being an eighth gen i7 and a Absolutely. brand new Nvidia. So it's uh, highly recommended. You should check it out. And it has a super fast NVMe SSD. That's 256. That's a respectable size. And then you even have that terabyte hard drive, kind of just. For backup storage, maybe for extra games and things that you might want. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jake, you found you found actually on the note of SSDs, you have one right here to talk about. I do actually know it. So one of the cool things about uh, laptops is our ability to upgrade them. We got uh, since Noah's got a terabyte SSD in his laptop there. Uh, why not throw in another SSD rather than uh, actually having a hard drive in that in that laptop? Uh, so we have one here from Kingston, which honestly I've I. I really use these a lot. We got one coming in at $19.99. It's a 120 gig Kingston two and a half inch SSD. Um, and you can get these up to 960 gigs in either just the two and a half inch size or in the M2 size. And honestly, they're actually not too much different in terms of price. So, uh, so those are really great. You know, if you want to replace the hard drive on your laptop they give a huge performance difference but i've actually been putting these in a lot of even just like smaller things i have a couple mac minis i've tried them in and a few different laptops and things they honestly just make a world of difference and like ssds like you know have just come down so much in price and they they breathe new life into a computer these days you need one if you're going to run any type of modern operating system honestly they're they're just so great the that uh these are coming down so much like 20 bucks is just like just phenomenal and it's still 120 gigs of storage which is still pretty respectable i mean you'll be able to fit your os on there and not too many like games or anything like that but you'll be able to fit a decent chunk of like you know like different photos or documents and things like that yeah, exactly and then you can use your backup hard drive that you just replaced 
to store all those games and such. Right. Or for the same price, you can buy a hard drive with a lot more storage just to store all your stuff, but you can still boot off the SSD, which increases the speed phenomenally. Oh, yeah. That's our tech deals of the week. And just so you guys are aware, we're just kind of doing our tech deals. They're not necessarily something that's like super cheap, but something that's a really great value for the price. So like for Noah's, it was a little more expensive, but it was actually a really great deal for the price. And where mine was really on the low end, that's maybe not going to be what is always going to happen. But just it's going to be something that's really a great value and not always going to be like the lowest cost thing. So the next thing we're going to talk about is something we struggled with this week. Uh, and what possible solution we, we found, if we have found a solution at all. And I'm going to go ahead and lead off and talk about a database issue I ran into with MySQL. I have I was working on a website, and I was trying to save user information from a register page, but it wouldn't save to the database. And I knew that all of the code was right, but it just wasn't saving, and I couldn't figure out why. Uh, after about 20 minutes, actually, of investigating I found out my password hash field was only a varchar 50, mm. and it was way too small to, to store a full encrypted hash. And uh, after I increased that to a 255, it was able to uh, save all the user information, and then I moved along with my day. Yeah. Right. You have something to talk about, too? I do, but I actually kind of like build on what you were talking about a little bit. My, my friend Nick, actually, I was helping him set up kind of his own website, and he, he had an app he was working with. Uh, a web app of sorts, and he was he was also having a MySQL issue, and, and it actually ended up being uh, a database permissions issue. And so, like those things are you know just like so small that you sometimes just forget about. I was just like so like kind of we ran through the whole troubleshooting process, you know, like well, okay, so does you know the web, the root web directory have the correct permissions owned by the correct user, obviously the Apache user, and then we kind of ran through like that whole that whole process, and I was like, so did you grant? you know, the permissions for the database to that user. And he's like, I, I think you found the problem. And I was like, okay, so like, you know, go through, do the show grants and everything. Kind of like was walking through him through that uh, when we were talking. And he's like, all right, that was it. And then it, and his web app worked perfectly fine after that. So it was just like, those are some of the just like smallest things that just end up happening all the time. It's like it's such a commonplace thing sometimes just happens. Right, exactly. And uh it often is the smallest things that you just tend to overlook, and then that's what you spend the most time looking for. But uh, let's let's move on to your uh, RSS troubles. Yeah, so actually, it's something I haven't actually found a solution for yet, but I'm having a problem with the default widget, uh, the footer widget in WordPress for RSS feeds. So we're using Anchor for our podcast, and actually it gives you an RSS feed. And for some reason, I'm able to subscribe to the... RSS feed. I had another friend try it out. He was able to subscribe to the RSS feed. No issues, seemingly, as far as actually subscribing to the feed. But then while actually putting the feed in the WordPress widget as it asks just basically for the URL, for some reason it still appears as it's down. And it just says basically, you know, this this feed's down. Uh, try again later. And it's been saying that for a few days. I'm like, okay. So I was trying to do a bit of research on it. And I actually found some people online were saying that it might actually have something to do with the web hosting provider so it sounds like i might have to contact DigitalOcean and maybe get that figured out but i don't know a hundred percent if that could be the it could be the actual problem i know that as i said some other people had reported that and then once they had contacted their hosting provider it seemed to work perfectly fine after that well yeah that's definitely a, a possible uh route to take to uh try and solve this issue right 
it's just it's just so weird that like I'm able to subscribe to the feed, but may, unless it's some problem with the footer widget that I don't know a hundred percent about, I have to do a bit more research on that. I'll, I'll definitely report back on that next week, kind of see once we figured that out. Um, but yeah, definitely, yeah, that's something we definitely need to figure out if we're gonna, you know, do this podcast and have it have it really 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 good. Absolutely, we need to get an RSS feed up and running and make sure that all works. So right. And we need to make sure that's on our website. Obviously, I mean, we have an RSS feed, but given that you can't really get to it from our website, it's <laughs> it's it's like we we definitely need that there, you know, for for all our users. So yeah, that no. Do you have anything else to talk about as far as any troubles you've had this week? Or no, I think that sums up the troubles uh, mostly. That that MySQL issue it really ate up my week. Oh yeah, um, but hopefully next week we'll come back with a a solution to that RSS feed. All right. Well, these have been the tech troubles of the week. We'll definitely be sure to give you some updates on those and let you know whether we found a solution or whether we're kind of still searching for one. All right. So let's kind of get into the bulk of the main content here. So, no, we're going to be talking about Ubuntu 1904. Ah, awesome. I'm using 1904 as my daily operating system right now. It's uh, it's pretty great. A lot of uh, small fixes from 18, but definitely noticeable. I think the most noticeable difference is the new icon pack and the new theme, mm-hmm. which is the uh, Yaru, I believe, is is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really makes it look a lot nicer. And we can also talk about the terminal now having tabs. That's a huge deal. Oh, yeah. No, honestly, I know like so many times I'll have so many terminal windows open that it's not even funny. And just like having those tabs is going to be really, really nice now. Yeah, and uh, using it personally, I have used it several times, and uh, it really helps out. We can also talk the desktop has had some changes. You can do right-click on the desktop now and make a folder. Mm -hmm. However, you can't drag and drop from the desktop into a different location uh, in the File Explorer, which is weird. But you can go into the desktop folder in the Explorer and then drag from there. But you can't do it off the desktop. Right. I'm wondering if that's something that's probably going to be adding later. So, no, it looks really uh, looks really cool here that I'm looking at it myself. The, the new icon pack does look nice. And I actually know that there was like a Yaru colors thing that you had tested out as well. Yeah, I'm using that too. All it does is it changes some of the default colors. So I have mine set to green now as opposed to, I believe, orange. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess moving on a little bit. The other noticeable difference is the uh, sort of optimization they've done with speeding up the operating system as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really is noticeable. It makes everything a lot smoother and, and quicker whenever you uh, do do certain things between opening applications and such. Right. I, I know I had read a couple of different articles and things about them changing some different animations and things. And I know I'd actually heard on a couple of other podcasts and they had done like a side-by-side comparison of Ubuntu 18.04 and 19.04 with the new GNOME 3.32 update. And it's just pretty well undeniable that 19.04 animations and, and everything are just much smoother. Yeah. So for, for slower systems, it might actually be beneficial right. to uh, upgrade to 19.04. Maybe speed up the system just a little bit, but noticeable amount. And Noah, I know you always use the the keyboard shortcut to be able to move your tab to different sides of the screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a 1904 feature. See, I think we had tested it out. I think we found out that we could do it in 1804, but it actually seemed like phenomenally smoother 
in Ubuntu 1904. It looked like they made, you know, a lot of different adjustments with the new updated uh, GNOME. Yeah, so it's the uh, the command key and then the arrow keys. Up will maximize it. Left or right, we'll put it on the left or right side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And then down, we'll just make it a smaller window. Right. Uh, but on 1904 compared to 18, it is way faster and much more refined i would say right so i actually can't even seem to do the up and down i can do the left to right and whatnot but i cannot do the up and down thing that's interesting. Um, and it does seem to be quite a bit faster on your on your system and then noah kind of going back earlier with what we were talking about the yarrow colors i actually thought that was pretty neat the uh, edition i believe it actually allowed for a couple different options i believe i saw like teal and like green red all sorts of different colors kind of nice to see you said you'd been using the green so far yeah it's it, all it does is change certain colors so anywhere there's normally orange like uh, the directory icons or just whenever you have certain things selected in the file explorer it changes the default orange to like a nice green in my in my case but there's all sorts of different colors that you can use brown blue green gray pink purple red i don't know uh, i don't know about the pink but yellow aqua it's just a nice little uh change from the default orange that ubuntu's always gone with right and i know with kind of the updates in in this new gnome not only have we seen what you were talking about with the smoother animations and things but actually they finally introduced fractional scaling which i've been waiting for forever because having a high dpi screen with with most Linux distributions now, it is getting increasingly frustrating when I when I have certain apps and things that just don't scale correctly, and I end up having to revert my screen resolution back to 1920 by 1080. And it's not that it's catastrophic, but even right now when I'm using uh, different applications and things, I know this that my mouse will actually be like huge if I scale back without logging out and logging back in because it doesn't scale the mouse correctly. And I, I'm just so glad to finally see that we are able to enable fractional scaling on high DPI displays. And I know that before, Noah, you had actually had a Dell XPS with yeah. a 4K screen. And I'm sure you're excited to see that as well. Yeah, I actually just got a new laptop. It's a ThinkPad. But whenever I went to get this laptop, I actually looked for a 1920 by 1080 for this specific reason. Mm-hmm. I avoided 4K because the support's just not there yet. But it's, it is nice to see that it's starting to show up. Mm-hmm. And now, so I, the reports I am reading, though, do say that the fractional scaling must be used on the Ubuntu Wayland desktop, and it's actually not enabled by default. So you do have to go through a bit of tweaking and things. Not anything super difficult to enable the fractional scaling, but it is there, and it's definitely in testing, and it's really good to see You know, that they're kind of taking the initiative, kind of getting into that. For uh, honestly, high D- I think high DPI displays are going to be the future. I mean, obviously, 1920 by 1080 isn't a bad resolution at all, but but I'm saying definitely in the future, you know, as consumers kind of get more and more demanding, we're going to see you know higher resolution screens. We're even seeing 8K come out in different TVs and things. 8K monitors, I'm sure, going to be a thing here soon. Honestly, I just like very nice to see the fractional scaling coming to Ubuntu here in the 1904. Yeah, and uh, I, I think to, to pull on the what else is new, uh, app permissions is now in the settings. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, restrict apps to just certain permissions based off of what they need. And that's a pretty big change. That was never there before. Right, right. That is that is nice to see kind of that, that being implemented there as well. 
And then obviously we had talked about the different icon packs and the updated theme and whatnot uh, were, were pretty nice. Those are probably most of the biggest things in the in the gnome update. But uh, one of the other things we didn't mention in Ubuntu 1904 is actually the update to the kernel. We've updated to 5.0, right? Right, and seeing some seeing some updates in uh, in that uh, some support for AMD Radeon FreeSync and a couple other uh, Raspberry Pi 3B 3B plus things like that. Um, just a lot of. Uh, uh, nice updates with uh, with the kernel there. Yeah, just to to make things a little smoother with with certain things and and really speed up the system. And I think that might actually have played a little bit of a role in 1904's uh, speed increase. Right. I think one of the final things that I definitely want to talk about with this update is actually a little bit of a better uh, integration from Ubuntu as far as new different graphics cards go. So actually, I know in the past that Noah and I have actually had problems with. Uh, installing Ubuntu and the NVIDIA drivers can sometimes cause problems and things. Um, but it actually looks like in Ubuntu 1904, we've actually now an option with the no mod set actually in the Grub boot menu. So actually being able to kind of uh, resolve some different issues and things on different graphics cards, allowing you to kind of boot in and install any of the proprietary drivers you need rather than, you know, kind of going through the whole process where you have to, like, go in, mo- modify the file and everything. And sometimes I know that can be a big mess. I know you had had problems with that in the past. Yeah, whenever I first started out on Linux, it actually prevented me from installing Linux on uh, my daily laptop at the time. Right, right. And I've just had so many other random weird issues with kind of the graphics uh, cards and everything. And I'm just really glad to see a bit more support on, on that end as far as as far as that goes with the safe graphics mode. So those are pro- probably some of the biggest updates and things with the new, new Ubuntu 1904 Disco Dingo release. But I'm sure we'll see some new updates with that as kind of time progresses. And we'll make sure to report back to you guys whenever we see those. So let's kind of move into our next topic here, Windows 10 version 1903. So I've actually joined the Windows Insider program to kind of get a view of what was kind of coming up here in May. So this will be the actually the release for May. I believe it was actually supposed to be released in April, but actually it's been moved to May. So I'm currently using build 18343. Uh, I was testing it out on a virtual machine, and I know Noah, you've kind of dabbled with it a bit as well. Yeah, mostly the light theme. That's a huge thing. I don't personally like the light theme. It is a little too, I, I guess, white. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes everything to be almost as light as you could possibly get. And I think they should have stuck with the uh, the default blue and the dark theme. Mm-hmm. But there must have been a demand for some type of light theme for them to do that. Um, I think it's almost just like an additional customization thing. It's like if you really want it, I don't see how many people are going to use it. It doesn't seem extremely practical. It's kind of nice to maybe have that in there. But in all honesty, even the Windows 10 dark mode is not actually that amazing. I think their default theme is pretty well fine. I think most users are really just going to stick with that. Yeah, I agree. Kind of in other news beyond that, there's been a lot of changes in the settings and things. Uh, kind of a new different interface kind of at the top has your profile and a couple other different things. I believe like OneDrive's up there, update settings are up there. And one of the biggest things I really think is update pausing. What do you think about that? Uh, it's definitely something they needed. 
between all the updates that they like to run and uh, just the overall community telling them we don't want to do updates right now and they finally introduced a pause that that's going to be huge for them it's going to be very well uh, enjoyed i think in the community i think so too honestly because i know like so many people just really want to you know wait and like make sure the update isn't going to delete your files exactly and there's also sometimes the updates are very poorly timed mm-hmm. and you're trying to do something and for people like me who have pretty limited internet speeds it can mm-hmm. it can become a, a very big nuisance right and it's just like sometimes it, you can set the active hours and things if you want but sometimes i swear that doesn't work yeah and i've gone so far as to uh disable updates entirely and that's not a great thing to do right so now that you can pause the updates for however long it's, it's really gonna i read that it was 35 days so far, I don't know if they'll make any additional changes to that in the future, if they're going to make it any longer. I know that you had actually asked me a question about this kind of before the podcast, about whether whenever you get to the end of that 35 days, is it going to force you to update them? And I, I would guess probably yes. And that's something we're going to find out probably in, pretty soon. Absolutely. But just the fact that they added pausing is is a very big plus for them. Honestly, that I think that's huge. I, that that'll be really nice to not have to obviously update every single time to the absolute latest thing. In different organizations and things, generally sometimes prefer to stay back. You know, a version or uh, not get those updates absolutely right away, unless obviously there's some sort of security vulnerability with it that they need to obviously fix or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, think back to the uh, the one update that started removing files. This is a perfect example of why that this is necessary. And right. And obviously that's like kind of an extreme circumstance, but obviously given that that was so just like completely unexpected, really. Exactly. Just caused, you know, kind of that uproar in the community. Another cool thing they added here in, in 1903 is actually the removal of security questions for local accounts. And I know that this wasn't a thing in 1803, or perhaps it was 1709. I don't 100% remember, but I know in a recent, a more recent version of Windows, it wasn't actually required. There were no security questions for the local accounts, but then they added these in 1803 or 1809, and I personally do not like them at all. Yeah, like the uh, the new MSI laptop that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Whenever I went through the installation and did a local account, mm-hmm. the security questions popped up, and I just don't see the necessity for a local account. I understand in a capacity, but it's almost just... What happens if you forget those security questions? It's, it's just a matter of almost being locked out of your system at that point. It's like, I understand that it's probably pretty unlikely you're going to forget your password and your security questions. But like, honestly, security questions end up coming down to really things that you could almost figure out about people anyway. So I'm yeah. not the hugest fan of them, but I do understand obviously adding some form of security, but kind of the the ability to use those or not. I believe there's an option to choose whether to use them or not, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And then kind of into the actual operating system itself, there is now going to be a blocked off storage point for updates, temp files, system cache, things like that. Basically, that it blocks off for those things so that it's able to install updates and things and it doesn't run out of space. How do you feel about that as well? I I think it's a good thing. um, Unless, of course, you are very, very 
strict about where your storage is going, then right. it might be a bad thing. But the fact that they're trying to block off a specific amount of storage so that they can always run their updates and never run into storage issues is a very mm-hmm. good thing. And I know that after the updates are done, they automatically delete all of those files from that storage. Right. So that they can continue to do updates in that same block. And that is nice, and I do like that. But And I remember actually having a similar problem. I used to have a old Windows laptop that actually only had like a 32 gig Optane drive in it that I got for relatively cheap. I ended up giving to my sister to use. But the problem ended up being that it, you, I installed Windows and like maybe a few programs on it, and it ended up obviously being full. And you know, obviously, part of that is is my fault for buying such a small capacity drive. But at the same time, it's like I I understand, but Windows already takes up so much space on your drive in general. It's like if you have a user who's like maybe not able to afford something with a huge you know drive in it, and you're taking some of that away. I do understand the capacity, though. I think it's probably definitely good, you know, so you don't actually end up running out of space and getting super behind on updates and making your system vulnerable in any capacity. Yeah, I agree. And what is this about the brightness uh, changes whenever you're using a laptop? So I've actually I've actually encountered this where when you would actually plug in your laptop and switch from the battery power to the actual charger. You know how it would normally actually change the brightness depending on what setting you had had it set at? It would actually keep the already set brightness kind of as a set preference, which I could see some people liking and some people not liking. I don't know 100% if that's something you can turn on or off. My understanding is that it's something you can't turn off, but I know sometimes I actually like that just because it's kind of a verification that my laptop has been plugged in and it's charging. Yeah, it kind of gives you a little bit of a signal. Right. But I know that can be really annoying if you're like working on something, maybe like it's like dark or something like that, and you like go ahead and plug in your uh, power cord and it just starts like blaring you with a ton (laughs) of brightness. That can be really annoying. And then some other other small things here in Win 10, 1903. How about the zoom in the terminal and in uh, in the command prompt and PowerShell specifically, and even in the Ubuntu subsystem for Linux? Yeah, that's not that bad. It's just a small little thing, but you can do control and mouse wheel, and it mm-hmm. will increase or decrease the size of your terminal. Um, that, that's actually a pretty nice addition, just being able to obviously zoom in. You can, I believe you can already set larger text and things, but being able to zoom like that is, is kind of quick. Another small one here, how about the default tab in the task manager? You can set it to be one of the other tabs rather than just the default tab that comes up. Um, And then actually some updates to the installation experience, Cortana being disabled by default in Windows 10 Pro, Education, and Enterprise. That's huge. I personally hated the Cortana voiceover every time that you uh, did a Windows 10 installation mm-hmm. and now that it's finally going to be disabled by default mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be nice so I think our biggest thing that I'm, I'm actually really excited about for Windows 10 1903 is the Windows sandbox yeah uh, you want to go ahead and uh, talk about that for a little minute yeah absolutely so it basically just gives you the ability to run different applications, usually like untrusted ones, and it actually creates like a virtualized environment without actually creating yourself a virtual machine, which is actually really nice. 
it actually kind of goes through it doesn't use up much disk space or ram or anything and it goes through creates that virtual environment actually has some integration for like audio graphics things like that uh and it's apparently very smooth and you're able to run those applications and then once you actually close out the window it goes through and deletes all the files and things that's great and from a security standpoint that's amazing especially when working with uh untrusted applications or something like that where you need like an isolated experience to run right i'm just glad that you obviously don't have to like go through and create your own virtual machine and actually go about doing it that way this is super quick just real easy to run and obviously doesn't affect your host system in any way and it's just really great to see that they implemented that i'm sure that there'll be a lot of updates on that here in the future probably talk about that a bit more in depth but seeing that come to windows is really really nice yeah it's going to be a great experience as it as it progresses all right, so I think probably kind of segueing into our final topic uh, about Facebook. No, you want to kind of take the reins here and talk about <laughs> Facebook. Uh, they have had so many problems recently, but uh, here, here we are again with some more security issues where they stored millions of Instagram passwords in plain text. And they said it is a known issue, and they had solved it before, but they uncovered that this issue was still ongoing. So millions of Instagram passwords stored in plain text and were exposed to over 20,000 employees. Now Facebook has claimed that this has not been breached or misused by the employees or released to the public, and they have resolved the issue as of March, and uh, it can be tracked back to as early as 2012. They, Like I said, they claim there was no misuse uh, or exposure to the public, but they are still on it's an ongoing investigation to resolve the issue right that is relatively mind-boggling to me in in terms of security nowadays it's just very somewhat unsettling to kind of hear that you know all these different passwords and things are being stored in plain text and so do you know if this was specific, specifically then Instagram users who then connected with through Facebook or? It seems like that's the case. And uh, let's not forget about the whole email thing that Facebook had going on where they coerced people into giving them their email passwords and then accessed the user's emails in order to grab contacts and do various other things with confirmation emails and such. Uh-huh. And I can't really... I, I As much as I want to kind of rail on Facebook, I can't really because obviously you're giving up some form of security by signing up for Facebook. Anyway, giving your personal information, obviously, I mean, to some capacity, you are solely responsible. But um, obviously we, we trust Facebook with our – obviously our privacy and, you know, there's been a couple different problems here recently. Like that being one of them and it's just a little scary to see um, – I'm at least glad that they took the initiative to go and fix that right away and kind of get that f- that figured out. Exactly. And uh, it is, it's very bad for Facebook, especially if these issues keep popping up, because people will start to lose trust in them, holding all of their privacy. And uh, that, that could really start to affect Facebook in this uh, new modern age. How much do you actually think that would impact Facebook's user base? I believe... If it became a very, very well-known issue and it was continuously happening, like these plain text passwords and people's accounts being breached and people's emails being used by Facebook, mm-hmm. if that really got out, I think it would it would be very, very bad for Facebook. 
See, I agree with you to an extent in that there have been obviously multiple reports in in recent and even in past just about, you know, Facebook and privacy of your information and things like that where the public knows about it and we don't do anything about it. You know, like we still use Facebook actively. And I mean, we have that small base of users who is maybe leaving the platform, but we're almost all still here. I know you and I obviously both still have Facebook, even though we've, we've seen this and we probably both have Instagram connected through it anyway. So obviously we could have been at, at risk here and yet we've kind of both not really veered off that wagon. And I know that getting off Facebook is something I've talked about before and it's just, I don't know. It's just that added convenience, you know, being able to like talk to people or whatever and, and having that social media, it's just like kind of the one of the biggest social media forms that you know we're able to right and actually to support you just a little bit on that note facebook is rooted into everything these days right so i i can see how even with this stuff coming out people are continuing to place their trust in facebook but i would say that's mainly because of how big facebook is at this point and they're in everything right so if we see any more updates on that, we'll we'll be sure to keep you guys uh, keep you guys posted. But I think that pretty well wraps up the main content for today. But we do want to do one quick plug here for actually uh, a software application that Noah is working on, kind of on the side. Uh, Noah Diginote, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Diginote is just a note taking website that I'm working on, where you can log in and create. Um, notes for certain classes and you can create classes so if you have four different classes in college or even high school Mm -hmm. and you want to be able to take notes but on your computer this is a very easy way to do it you can create classes and organize your notes by the classes and uh, it will also the the big portion is the flashcards that I'm working on I'm working on an automated flashcard system where you say that you want flashcards for a specific set of notes and the system or the the website will parse through your notes and create flashcards for you to that you can then use to study for tests or quizzes upcoming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been working on it uh, whenever I get time and it's starting to go somewhere. I can't wait to see what all I can do. Uh, I, I learn more and more about it every day. In fact, the MySQL issue, that was specifically for this whenever I was working on the registration page. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't wait to see how, how I get get with this. Uh, it's uh, called DigiNote, uh, D-I-G-I-N-O-T-E. And it's just a fitting name because it's a digital note-taking software. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's about all I have to say about it for now. Do you have a, do you have a site for that? Uh, not yet. I have a name in mind, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to release that right now right right until i go ahead and buy that name so if you don't mind me actually asking a few questions about it so your target market is more towards college students right yeah exactly and and students in general but do you almost see this being able to be marketed to even a broader scope than that sure i mean if you're trying to study for just about anything you'd be Mm -hmm. able to use DigiNote for it Mm -hmm. um so it could definitely take off in that in that regards but for now the target market would definitely be college students right i can almost see it being used in the workplace a bit for you know different meetings and things i personally think that 
that could go somewhere in, in that regard as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I haven't put much thought into mm-hmm. using it in the workplace yet, but that's definitely something to look at. Mm-hmm. And do you want to actually talk about a lot of the uh, the languages and different programming languages you're using for developing your application? Sure. Uh, it uses HTML, uh, CSS. These are just the markups. Mm-hmm. And then I put JavaScript and PHP in there. Right. Uh, JavaScript, obviously, to make it look a lot better and smoother. Mm-hmm. And then PHP is the back end to interface with the server. Right. And I believe you've been working a bit with Bootstrap as well on that. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm using Bootstrap just as a basis to to build off of mm-hmm. because trying to do all of the CSS these days is it's difficult and it's not necessary, especially when you have things like Bootstrap out there to do that for you. Bootstrap is really is really nice. Yes, it is. But uh, yeah, thanks for telling us about your app. I'm I'm really excited to see where that goes, and uh, hopefully we can kind of give some more updates on that in the future here. Yeah. For sure. So, Noah, I think this about wraps up our first podcast. Definitely leave us a comment down in the comment section for below for new updates or things you want us to talk about or new segments or really anything you have to say. This, this should be pushing out on Sunday, April 28th. But I know on some podcast platforms, it may not reach out there quite yet. But it'll definitely be on our website, sundaynightdrive.tech. Or you'll be able to listen to us using the Anchor app. Uh, well, we also have an RSS feed you can subscribe to. We'll get that posted on our website. I know I mentioned earlier having some problems with the widget, but I'll definitely get that posted on our website so it's super easy to subscribe to. But, uh, no, do you have anything else? Nope. Uh, I'm Noah. And I'm Jake. And thank you for taking this ride on the IT Superhighway. Highway.